Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron Jellabolo and welcome to my podcast, Because We Love Making Movies. Uh, today we're talking to a production designer who helped create what I think is an incredibly profound film. It's A24's Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I saw it last night and my heart exploded. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, the artist responsible for blowing up my heart and welcome Liz Tunkel to the pod. Hi, Liz, and thank you for doing this. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, you made me blush. What nice things to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's really true, though. I, 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 you know, I was not prepared for how emotional how emotional the movie is and and really really beautiful and before and it's super singular i mean everybody loves to say oh it's something you haven't seen before this is definitely something nobody has seen before and and before i kind of like uh uh you know because so basically it started as a youtube video just tell us how how you came to it and sort of what it is and and just just draw us into that sure um so funny enough, I actually knew Dean and Jenny before they made Marcel. Um, Dean and I both went to NYU. Uh, and this school. is the writer. This is the writer director. Uh, uh, yes, Dean Fleischer Camp, right? Is the yes. is the writer director of the? He's a really amazing filmmaker, guys. Everyone should know who he is. Yes. So um, Dean actually edited because I also write and direct my own work and. Dean edited my thesis film, Fashion Kills, oh. that I made at NYU. And that's how we met. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this person's amazing. They're like such a great storyteller. And like he added so much to that project. And then while he was doing that, um, he started dating Jenny. And I met Jenny and I was like, who is this like amazing, sparkly person? Um, and then like maybe a year later, I ended up moving out to California to go to grad school um, for set design. And while I was there, I like late night in my design studio, someone was like, you have to see this YouTube video. And it was Marcel the Shell. And <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I know these people. And like, I'm not surprised. Like they're so talented. Um, and so when, once that happened, I was always like such a fan and always like hoped I could somehow be involved with this project. And then just through like a series of events over many, many years, it worked out that I got to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a part of those initial mm -hmm. shorts, but I was a huge fan of them. Right. And so just for, every, for people who have not seen seen these shorts, it, it, it's it's stop motion with this beautiful little character, Marcel the Shell, which is basically a little snail shell with one eyeball and these cute little shoes. And it's voiced by Jenny Slate, who's obviously like super, super, I mean, a wonderful stand-up comedian and actress, but also really known for voice acting. So it's like kind of this perfect thing. And, and I mean, th there, I have other questions that in terms of like the script and what, what that looked like, because it's so meticulously written. It feels like, you know, a, a brilliantly written, you know, movie in terms of the, the, the jokes and, but even just the, you know, basically the, the feature is a meta, it's a, it's a mockumentary, you know, right. It's, yeah. it's this, it's as if someone is making a documentary about Marcel the Shell and discovering him and you're going on this journey with him. But like, so talk about, 
you know, because it's this blend of real and obviously stop motion. And it's, it's like, like I've said this a million times before to my friends, like Kurosawa used to say the whole job of filmmakers is to create an immaculate reality where it's this, even if it's, it's in space or it's the war room and strange love, you don't, you think that's real. And this is a perfect, this movie, like you just think it is, it's so realistic. And so the reality is so pure. And, and so talk about like how, what it was like to work on a stop motion movie and how you even approached it and how you guys did it. Uh, well, thank you so much for saying that. That's like always my goal as a production designer. Like I, um, I think it's really important. Like I think many of the best films production design is invisible mm. when it's really good. Um, and that's why so many people don't even know it's a, what it is. It's because like if you do your job well, no one can really tell that anything happened. <laughs> um, and I really love films like this that are in more of like a verite or docu style. I feel like it's such a challenge as a designer. Um, and like, I just think when you're able to sort of like really bring out a truth to our world um, in that way, it's really powerful. So in terms of like approaching it, I mean, a lot of what we thought about was just like, I think it would be very easy to sort of like design a world for Marcel that was just simply cute. And, and like, you know, he's, he's like maybe the most adorable character ever created. So like, it'd be very easy to put him in this like really adorable environment and like not think at all about the, the genesis of that. And it was super important to Dean. Like when we started working together, he was like, everything in Marcel's world has to be from the human world. Mm -hmm. And we also have to like, there has to be some logic to how it got there. Um, like Marcel doesn't have arms or hands. So like mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. has to move things with his feet or his mouth. So like, what could he actually manipulate? And Dean and Nick Paley and Jenny, who all worked on the script together, they came up with a lot of like amazing ideas too. just how Marcel and his community would sort of traverse space, um, like with the tennis ball or different things like that. <laughs> so there, that was already like very much baked into the story. Wow. And then like, I was really there to figure out a, how to make those things actually happen, but B how to flesh it out further, like how to really see like what's in the giant container of the bedroom and then what's in Marcel's area. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a, this like very like macro micro mm -hmm. um, juxtaposition going on everywhere. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, but no. So that made me think of. No, and no. I'm very distracted because behind you, you have like a DVD holder that reminds me of one of my favorite things in the movie, which is like the CD rack. That oh, yes, yes, over. yes. That gets knocked over. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Here, I'll try to block it. So I don't. No, no, it's good. I <laughs> the, just was like, oh, I bet it was like a serendipitous moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love. I mean, it's also like you said, Marcel is what, I mean, a couple things like the, 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 um, the design of it too, I love how it blends between, you know, kind of the real world house. And then it feels like it goes into these miniature moments that are so like, you know, Marcel's uh, bedroom, uh, the bread, <laughs> which like, <laughs> just makes me laugh so hard. Like for the listeners, he sleeps on, on bread and it's just like, or, or sits on bread. It's like the most between. beautiful. He's between. He's almost like the sandwich. Yeah. yeah and it breathes. Piece, yeah. 
and it breathes. Yeah, and, we had to make that breathe. <laughs> oh my god, it's like that. The miniature, the miniature work is really. It's it reminded me honestly of like because I have not seen a movie this like this in such a long time. It was like when you first see Ray Harryhausen stuff when you're a kid. You know the skeletons, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe this is real. Uh, so that blend of miniature and real, I, I felt like was just so such an amazing accomplishment. And then also this, the whole thing of like just the. I guess, and I'm sure I'd love to hear you talk about what sort of spoke to you about the about the script when you read it, but the whole idea of how it deals with like extreme loneliness and extreme um, emotional highs and lows, and the way that that you're that that the Marcel and the and the documentarian who's going through his own thing with divorce and. And it's and and then her relationship with Nanakati, you know, who I believe is played by Isabella Rossellini, who literally whenever she talked, I started to cry. I I like her, <laughs> when her voice came on, I was like, oh god, I can't handle this. Like it was like so emotional. But the way the movie does this this amazing balance, this tightrope dance between really beautiful, uh, joyful uh, moments and very painful moments and then in the end kind of brings it all together like talk about when you read the script how it made you feel I'm well so actually their process was more to make an animatic than like a written script Wow! so when I got the project um sent to me it was literally like a like you know pencil drawn out whole movie so I sat there and watched it and was like, just like you seeing the full finished film, I was just like sobbing by the end. It was like, this is oh. so powerful. And it was so like, I, I, I have worked in animation before and there is something about when you get to see something that is more like realized before you even work on it. There's like, you really get that 360 sense of like, oh, wow, I feel this world. I feel this emotion. So that was very powerful to like, have that be my first encounter with the script or the, mm -hmm. you know, what, what the rubric was that we were working within. Um, I, I lost the rest of the question. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you said, so basically it, it moved you just in, in the same way. I mean, did, did you, yeah. I, I guess how, how also did you approach, I mean, had you said you'd done animation before, but how, I mean, do you prefer, I mean, I, I'm sure I know everything is a custom job, but yeah. what, like, how do you bring, um, how do you treat animation differently than live action or do you not at all? Do you, you know what I mean? Like how? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very interdisciplinary and that's something that's been a really important part of my like creative journey. And I feel like it's finally being like recognized as an, a good thing rather than a bad thing at this mm -hmm. point in my life. But um, I think the process is always the same. It's always about like really, regardless of what it is like researching you know the world that I'm working within really getting to know the characters really getting to know the tone and like the the themes so it's it, it always kind of starts from the same place in terms of like ideas mm -hmm. but sometimes the way that that's technically achieved obviously changes but mm -hmm. in terms of like how I kind of unpack a story and figure mm -hmm. out how to like bring that to life it's always the same mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and do you like to work with do you, do you look at other movies do you look at art do you look at uh, uh photographs like how do you how do you approach yeah. pre preparing to do something for me, honestly, I, I feel like the first thing I often do is look at real spaces. Like even if I'm working on something like fantastical, I feel like 
it's really, I think for those things to be successful, they need to have verisimilitude and like come from like a truthful place that we like, that's what I think to me was successful about Marcel is like, he is this fantastical creature, but he lives in a world that we can relate to. And like, we have um, a touch point for, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that I, those are the kind of things that I really, when I see them, I, I feel something emotionally and I like get excited about. Mm -hmm. So I always start from like a place of real research and then kind of start to be like, Oh, this artist's work or this, this color palette from this, or like the tone from here, I could bring all those pieces in too. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I always like to have some kind of docu research as a basis. Totally. You can totally feel that in the movie. Cause it's just like, it has this wonderful blend of like dreamy ethereal point of view uh, and 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 then so grounded and so realistic and and just the whole relationship, even the way that the the way that Marcel is speaking to us, the audience, you know, it, it gives you a totally unique perspective on the movie. You're having a conver- a dialogue with this character during the movie, which is really really hard to do for, and also tell this great simple little story. You know, I feel like movies nowadays sometimes get so complicated with stories, and like Marcel is a perfect example. Like it really is a pitch perfect script at least in terms of what how they tell a story you know what i mean and and like uh uh reel you in um and what was production like like how do you guys yeah because it's just it's just like one of these things i'm like how do you even approach (laughs) like so how Um, yeah how long did you guys how long did you guys shoot for it was so fast the live action part i think we shot in 20 days oh wow okay um yeah, I mean, it was a a, a sprint. <laughs> like we had so we were a very s- small art department for what this movie entailed and it was it was a it was a lot of work. But so basically, we 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 shot live action for about 20 days mm-hmm. and then they did stop motion for many months, but that was a whole separate thing. Okay. And basically a huge part of our process too um, was that we had to basically like archive everything that was around Marcel to go to the stop motion stage. Mm-hmm. So like a three foot radius around Marcel would always have to be preserved and set and like put to cold storage until they did the stop motion shoot. Wow. And Wow. So that also meant like some of those surfaces you see on the movie are from this real location. So we would have to replicate them. Um, so there was just so much of, you know, kind of this like behind the scenes work on top of just the general work we have as an art department mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that added in a lot of time. Wow. That is, that is crazy. So it's, I mean, obviously like two separate <clears throat> movies, but also the process of just having to prepare for stop motion. So were you around for the stop motion shooting or? Were, were... Not really. No. Okay. Cause like every, okay. basically our work was done. Like they, 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 they basically took everything we had done and just made Marcel move on top of it right. in the stop motion phase. Got it. Um, got it, got it, you know, it. there's always little things that they have to come in and fix or tweak, but for the most part, it was sort of set in stone. What and they so, had. 
when you guys were doing the live action stuff, was Jenny there? Was it like, was it, was it that kind of like, like district nine where, where, where Charlotte <laughs> Copley was there as the thing acting with, with the other, you know what I mean? I'm just so yeah. curious. Yeah. Um, actually not really okay. because okay. they had spent so long. I don't even know how long it was for that. They recorded all of the initial, but basically everything that was like in the initial animatic was what, was the audio in the real thing. Oh, wow. The only portion that Jenny was like present in the room for was when we shot the 60 minute stuff because she really wanted to get to improvise with Leslie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, because there was no like earlier stuff done with Leslie. So right. um, that was that was the, the main thing that she came in for. Right, to give Leslie something to sort of act off of so that it was really yeah. genuine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and just also yeah. like to see what would what the what would come out of that like real conversation because sure. so much of the I mean that was a really exciting um, aspect of the film was like the sixty minutes stuff how we approached it was like true docu style as if this was actually an episode of sixty minutes like wow. you know like the graphic you see behind Leslie Stahl like we actually their team that creates those graphics created that. Wow. The 60 Minutes crew came in like they were all the real people who shoot the show wow. with their real equipment and like taught Bianca Klein, our DP, like they're like, this is exactly how he would light this interview. <laughs> so it was it was very exciting to like so actually have that be like a real element rather than just like a let's just decide what we think they would do right so right. they really wanted to preserve that with the with the interview itself and just let leslie Stahl like ask real questions and really respond to them right because it's like that's what she's that like that's what she does it's like exactly it's so cool. like if you kind of have like the person you want to use them for <laughs> what they're good at <laughs> that is so cool uh uh so I guess let's just back up a little bit. So how did you how did you become a production designer and a filmmaker? How did you how did you start out? Where are you from? Um, I'm from New York. I as like growing up, I was really I was always knew I wanted a creative life. Like I that was all I ever cared about. I was really seriously into dance as like a child and um, and musical theater and was constantly performing and doing things like that. And then I was also really into fat. Like I took fashion design classes in high school at FIT and was like, Oh, wow. maybe I want to be a fashion designer. And then it was sort of when it like came time to go to college, I was like, maybe I want to go to film school. Cause I feel like that I can kind of combine all these different things I'm interested in, which I think was a really good choice. Cause I feel like that's one of the things that I really love about filmmaking is like you mm -hmm. can bring so many different things to it. It's not as linear as some other art mm -hmm. forms. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was at NYU, I was, you know, making my own films and then also started designing friends films because I was like, when it came in, I was like, maybe I want to be a DP. And then when I was there, I was like, no, I want to be a director. But I also really like production design because it was sort of the same thing. Like, I didn't even know that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't really get, no, it's very hard to learn. I mean, it's easier probably for kids today because the internet has so much information. Sure. But like when I was growing up, you don't, I didn't really know what anybody did. 
I mean, I knew there were like Oscars for certain things, but I didn't know what any of those positions actually meant. So when I was at film school, I was like, actually, I really like like the world building. Like that is, you know, what's really exciting to me. And when I came out of school, at that point, it was like a true impossibility of sort of being a female writer director. Um, You know, there was like not really anybody doing that. Plus, like, I had to, like, pay my rent. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to, you know, try to work in art departments and sort of try to pursue that. And then I did that for a couple of years in New York and kind of really fell in love with it and decided to go to Cal Arts for grad school. Oh, wow. um, and then at Cal Arts, I ended up getting two master's degrees, both in scenic design and in fine art. And I started making my my personal practice sort of shifted more into making performance art and like video art. Um, And that was really exciting, too, because I I felt like, you know, the kind of filmmaking I had learned at NYU in some ways was a little limiting. And Mm -hmm. I really liked being in that fine art context where there was like more breadth of what what my project looked like, what the kind of structure of it was. Um, and these were performances like where I was actually performing, which like at NYU, I wanted to star in my thesis film that Dean edited. And like my teacher was like, no, <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, because they're like the studio, they're the studio head. They're like, no, no, no. Go to the acting department, get a star. Yeah. You have to get well, a star. Well, more just like, that's too much to take on. Sure. 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 Uh, sure. Sure. But, but I really regret that's probably one of my major regrets from school is that I didn't do that because I feel like I feel like I had sort of that unique thing going on. And I feel like the that was what I feel like was successful about my time at Cal Arts was like I really embraced like exactly the kind of work I wanted to make and just mm-hmm. how to make it the best version of it. Um yeah. And so then post school, I've just sort of been splitting my time between designing a lot of different types of projects. And to me, it's always about like, is this a project I really care about versus like, I'm going to just work on TV shows all the time or something. So I'm always sort of oscillating between an experimental theater show or a movie or a music video, or then taking time to work on my own things. And Mm -hmm. so while I've been working as a designer, I've been developing, I, developing this one woman magic show. And then also I have a feature that I'm writing that I want to direct. So that's just, amazing. And before, yeah. we t- cause I want to, I want to, I want to ask you about those, but I want to back yeah. up a little bit cause you're, you're from New York. So I always find, you know, <laughs> kids, kids from New York have like such a different experience because you guys are so around arts at a very young age. And so were your, but were your parents in the arts were, how did no. you, so, so, so tell me like, how did, how, what yeah. was your first kind of point of contact with, with, uh, you know, arts in, I mean, the fact that you could even said you took a fashion design class in high school is always like, okay, you're, <laughs> that's a different thing, which is super cool. I'm just so curious though, how you, yeah. how you get to that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a blessing and a curse. Like I grew up in the suburbs. So I like grew up like 45 minutes out of New York city. So it was very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a blessing and a curse because, so I was always like, I don't, 
I guess my father really, and my mom, they both really loved musicals. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, my father would play Stephen Sondheim all the time. So that was like sort <laughs> the of best, like the best. my first love was sure. just, I loved the music and I don't know, kind of my mom even says I'm Jewish. And like, so when you're a baby, you have a baby naming and you're like on the Bema, which is like the stage of the temple. And she was like, when, and this was like, I'm maybe like eight days old. And my mom was like, you like lit up like a light bulb. <laughs> like, I think I just always wanted to be on stage. I always wanted to be creative. So it was just like, just inherent. Mm-hmm. But I think the hard thing is, so I, I was sort of the, like, my mom was not a stage mom. I was sort of the one dragging her to auditions and the different things. And, um, the hard part is because like, you're so close to it. It's like, there was so much pressure because I'd have so many friends who like, they were around Broadway when we were like 10 years old. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you already kind of get this like industry kind of competitive mindset about mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. which I think can actually be really damaging. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do a lot of work through that, but at the same time, yes, it's like, I'm, I can go see a Broadway show all the time. Like I took, you know, every weekend I was dancing at New York city dance studios and like with like big choreographers and things like that. So you really do get a lot of exposure to those things at a very young age, which is amazing, but it is a little bit, you know, you, you kind of have that like intense mindset about it Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. when you're young, which can be a deterrent or distraction. Sure. Sure. And, and then I, I find it super interesting that when you go, you, know, you go to obviously NYU, which is, you know, super famous film school and one, and obviously a wonderful film school, but very almost classical. I feel like even though they say, Oh, it's indie New York yeah. filmmaking, it's still classical, it is filmmaking, not. which is, which is totally cool. But, <laughs> but, but then you go to Cal arts, which is like for the listeners who don't really know is like a bastion of just like, you know, it's, it's very famous for all the animators who've come out of there and Tim Burton and Brad Bird and all those guys, but it's, it's really, really well known among artists for how free and like the whole thing of like, you know, students being naked in class mm-hmm. and all kinds of, you know, amazing <laughs> sort of like, you know, you think of like, I don't know, San Francisco in the seventies kind of vibes, but it's like, that's so cool that you, you, you sort of take your education and then turn it inside out with another experience. And that's when you start oh. to feel, you start to feel like yourself, like with Yeah, really- no, I mean, I felt very... I did not fit in at NYU. I felt very weirdo girl, Mm -hmm. like definitely had my own. I don't know. Yeah. I felt a little bit outside of, and that, that is like, I found my voice more over my four years there that like lessened, but even at the end, like my thesis film, like I shot on super eight and literally they didn't want it in their like stupid film festival no offense their film festival no 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 like it doesn't look finished and i was like uh that's the point like (laughs) it's a it's like what's the point of making a film if you don't think about the material and like what it looks like and like how that be a part of it um and they ended up showing it but right you're like give me that yeah that's a perfect example of like their limiting beliefs and then when i went to cal arts it was like oh my gosh like and that's also why i think there i really found this like kind of, you know, fine art element to my work is like, I just felt like really there was room to like explore things in the way I wanted to. And that like the most important thing was finding like 
finding my voice and like making it as like tuned as possible Mm -hmm. rather than like trying to make it sound like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a really powerful experience for me. And I, I, I do think there is so much truth to like finding your, your zone or community. I mean, it's sort of like Marcel too. It's no, like I, community is so important yes, to like any yes. kind of successful life. Yep. And I was going to say too, like without being corny, you know, the connection to a going to a place like CalArts and finding your voice and, 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 and being comfortable in your own identity is so in tune with Marcel, not just in terms of the, a, the super innovation of, 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 you know, or at least the imagination and the creativity that you guys employ to make this movie, but also Marcel's message, which is really just sort of like love yourself on some level, you know, on one level, which is like really being so comfortable in yourself, which I feel like is a lot of people are always like, you know, that's, I feel like there is a journey to find ourselves, you know, as artists, but half the time you're like, oh, I've always, it's me. (laughs) I, cause so often it's like, no, I'm going to put on all this other stuff. I'm going to be this other guy. And then you're like, maybe I should just, maybe I should just go back to the first time before I put on the stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of a terrifying process. I mean, I feel like for me, that's sort of why I think I always felt a little bit of like an outsider is like, I had a hard time ever not being myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but, but then kind of like being like, oh, I, you know, then for me, it's like a process of self-acceptance and being like, no, this is, I, this is exactly right. Yeah. And I have to just like go with it. And then, Mm. yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, tell me, tell me, tell me about, um, to tell me about the one woman show and, and sort of how that as an extension of your art and, and also the movie that you're, that you're, you're writing and getting ready to direct. Sure. Yeah. So, um, basically, you know, as I mentioned, I was doing performance art for a long time. And then I sort of was working on this project that was going to be an opera that I performed with only my hands. Um, and, (laughs) and in pursuing that, I was like, what is like, what is a performance style that's actually done by your hands? And I was like, oh, magic. And so I was doing this residency to work on this project and I started teaching myself magic. And I was like, I really like this. And so I started taking classes at the magic castle and, and I fell in love with it. I was like, I just want to make this. I don't even want to make, like, I want to make magic performance. And so it was, it, it was also really exciting because the performance art that I was doing there's not, there's some respect for performance art, but there's not a lot of infrastructure. Like, you know, I would show it like a decent gallery, but they'd be like, you have to put it up tonight, take it down tonight. Here's like a hundred dollars, you know? And I would like, you know, put years of work and like all the money I made from designing stuff into it. And it Mm -hmm. would just feel like, Oh, what? Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. So what's exciting about magic is like, it's much more, a people are more interested like it Mm -hmm. has a much wider audience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and b mm -hmm. there's just like you know you can pursue it in more of like a standard theatrical route Mm -hmm. um so it's been really exciting and this project that i'm currently developing is um called magic for animals and it's a one-woman show that is basically like storytelling where i kind of use magic to deepen the storytelling and it's all about kind of the way that humans treat animals and that how we can kind of use that as a way to understand the way we treat each other. 
Um, and that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah, it's been really exciting. And so I, I, I did like a workshop performance of it in LA in November. And then I got asked to perform at this performance art festival in Denmark in August. Wow. So I'm very excited. I'm going to go do it there. And then my hope is to develop it a bit more and then ideally go to like Edinburgh, the French festival in Edinburgh in like the next year or two and then tour it around. So that's sort of what's up with that. And then my feature that I'm working on is very personal and sort of like a a version of myself as like a 13 year old, like Jewish girl growing up in New York with like a weirdo family and just sort of like what that's like and kind of, it's kind of like what we were talking about, about kind of accepting and embracing who you are. Um, It's like a harder project to have a like clear log line on because it's very like coming of age. I get it. But, uh, But I'm really excited about it and I've been working on it for a long time and it's just one of those projects where it's like, there's like a lot to pull out from it. So I'm constantly sort of pulling it all apart and starting from scratch, but I'm hopeful that in like the next year or so I'll have like a draft that I feel really confident about Mm -hmm. and then can like go about making it happen. That sounds fantastic. I mean, it's so interesting you're saying, because I feel like, uh, you know, new takes on the coming of age movie have become so much more, you know, accepted by the industry to a certain degree. It's like, I love like the last couple um, that I've loved have been like mid nineties and eighth grade, you know, which are, which are really not your traditional coming of age stories because they're harder and they, they deal with, you know, uncomfortable, complex, emotional issues of children. I think in the, in the past have been sort of are sort of brushed aside. I mean, even, even Lady Bird, I thought was just such a, like a wonderful addition to that, to that genre. So I think that's so exciting because those movies are, they, they're so personal, kind of like what you're saying about magic. They're so personal, but they're so relatable to everyone else, which is like such a magic trick in, in, in movie making and storytelling, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really believe that like specificity is what makes something relatable. Like, and that's why for me, it's been like, it's almost like a, a deep therapeutic process of sort of like uncovering these things from my childhood um, and then sort of expounding upon them. And like, it's just like, I feel like I'm kind of like digging for treasure. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I don't know. I really believe that like the hardest part of movie making and like where, you know, uh, what, what is the, I can't think of the phrase, but basically like the hardest part is the writing. And if you can write a good script, like you're, you're at least halfway there. So I would rather take years to make it what I really want it to be than just, you know, throw some words on a page and try and make it happen. Cause I, I, I feel like that's where, you know, the rubber hits the road and like it's the hardest part. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even what you were saying, I, it's so refreshing to hear you say that when when Marcel the Shell came to you, it was it was so baked because of the, the the story script process that they had obviously done, which is like you you see it on the screen. I mean, it is a it is a wholly realized cinema baby. Like it's not yeah. like, oh, whatever, you know. I mean, yeah. it, you can you can so feel it, you know, and I feel like that then helps you hook in to build the world because it's not there's not all these questions of like, it could be this, it could be that, which always drives me crazy. I'm like, guys, it yeah. could be anything. 
can, <laughs> can we just, but, th- but if there is, is actually should be one thing and we need to figure out what that is before we're there, you know, cause so many people don't do that. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, it's so funny because I think people like when I was talking about interdisciplinarity people, mm-hmm. it's very hard for people not to put you into a box and to only see how you're one thing. And so like, as, you know, I've made so much of my own things, but people are like, you're a production designer. But I think that it's so undervalued how much experience I have from that. Cause it's like most direct writer directors I work with, they're lucky if they've made one movie already. Mm-hmm. I've worked on like 15 movie, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. feature mm-hmm. films. I know what that all looks like. Like mm-hmm. I feel very confident about the actual like making process Mm -hmm. but that's why it's like that part to me is the easier part the hardest part is like can I actually write a script like worthy of what I can make it into sure (laughs) what and what do you love so so talking about that kind of in between what do you what do you love about production design and what do you love about directing and what do you hate about production design (laughs) hate about you know or I get not hate what do you what scares you what what scares you about production design and, and versus directing like I'm so curious to hear you know, it's like, it's like two sisters, you know? It's yeah. Like- well, I think the hardest part about being a production designer is honestly, you're basically like, a what's the word? Like a general in a war. Like you are basically, you're setting yourself up for failure and you're being set up for failure, especially in the indie world, because so much is being asked of you Mm. with so little. And so what I've learned and what I always strive for is like, how much trust can I build with my team, both with the director, the DP, the line producer, and then my crew. Because once we're actually shooting, it's just nonstop problems. (laughs) And so that's the hardest part is I just like, I know that I'm putting myself in a really vulnerable position. And even though I have a lot of skills to work through that, it's always going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And you don't have the same level of like, kind of like just inherent respect and like um, backup that like you do as a director. Mm-hmm. I see. So that I think is the hardest part as a production designer, as a director. I guess just I, to, just to yeah. ask you, ask you a question about that. Cause I think what you're, what you're just to maybe decode it a little bit. It's like, you're sort of saying as a production designer, it's like, no, we're expecting you to build this with what you have and it better be awesome. And you're like, well, I have a paperclip. Like, yeah. Right. And so versus like director can be like, Hey man, I want the cool, I want the coolest thing in the world. And people are supposed to just run off and do it. Right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, it's very easy to have ideas. It's very hard to make them actually happen. And that's why there are production designers because most directors don't know how to make them happen. And so it's like, you're sort of this, they're like secret sauce, Mm. but, but they can, it's very easy for, for you to butt heads or for when something goes wrong for you to be the person under the bus. And my, my goal is always to not be the person under the bus, (laughs) but it's a hard goal. Um, Oh, hold hold on one second. No worries. Oh, oh, never mind. Never mind. Um, uh, yeah. So, so that I think is the biggest challenge of it. Um, I, and with directing, 
I think it's kind of similar, but different with directing. I think you really have to like, so filmmaking is collaborative and so much of what your challenge is, is how do you bring a group of people together and get them to get along and like take care of each other and work to the same goal. Mm -hmm. And I, and I feel like it's very easy. And I think lesser directors don't know how to do that, like how to create a team and like a Mm -hmm. team environment. And so I feel like that is the challenge is like, how do you bring people together and take care of them and like create an environment where they're not only like feel good, but they're also like given the room to like do their best work Mm -hmm. because obviously you're bringing them together because you think they have value. Yeah, no, well said, really well said. Uh, I, well, I've taken I've taken a lot of your time, but I wanted to ask you uh, a couple other things before we, uh, you know, go. One, one mm-hmm. is we have a, I think we have a mutual friend. Uh, we uh, do Zach Cooperstein, who because you 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 designed the vigil, right? I did. Oh yeah. my gosh, I the poor vigil. I feel like it came out. I'm just gonna change rooms with my partner. No um, problem. No problem. <laughs> I love the, the vigil. vigil. You do? Oh, oh my love gosh. it. Love it. I loved working on it. I mean, the vigil was a project. Like, I try to be pretty picky at this point about the projects I take on. But, um, sorry, that's my dog. That's okay. Uh, the, you know, I think I mentioned I'm Jewish, and like, the vigil I thought was a really exciting project because I'm I'm not from the Hasidic community, but like mm-hmm. to sort of get to learn more about that mm-hmm. and like really bring that out into the film. Um, and Zach is amazing. I mean, Zach is an incredible DP and like just brought so much to the project. It's always really exciting. You know, like I always have my own ideas when I read a script. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always like really exciting when then you meet with the DP and like, they just like, they flesh it out in a whole different way. And like Mm -hmm. the best, the best DPs I've worked with, like it's a very symbiotic relationship. Like mm-hmm. our ideas just sort of like add on to each other and create something so much better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think together. that's like, that's so true about your sort of what you're talking about, the, the, the partnership between production designer and, and DP who really, it's like, they are the, the arms and hands of the director period. Like can't, you mm-hmm. can't do anything without, without them in the practical sense. And the vigil, I just, I just wanted to shout out because it's such a unique horror movie. It's so sort of personal and specific and genuinely scary. Like it's a, it's a genuinely, you know, disturbing horror film in the best way. I'm a huge horror fan. And so, and also like one of the last performances of Lynn Cohen, who's just, was just amazing, you know? Uh, so it's a really beautiful film. I wanted to just like to tell you how, so how much I love that movie. Yeah. Cause I feel like that movie was, uh, it was unfortunate the time with the pandemic, you know, like Marcel, we got lucky that they kind of waited mm-hmm. to put it out. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, they couldn't even finish it because of the pandemic, but mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. vigil, I feel like a lot more people would have seen it had it come out at a different time. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know, I know the thing is like for, for all my friends who are horror fans and in the horror community love, I mean, the, the vigil was really like one of those, it, it was, it's considered like a little bit of a mini classic. And, and obviously Keith Thomas got, you know, he got Firestarter and he got, you know, he really did get a lot of attention because he should, you know, that movie yeah. is really great. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, and I guess, um, what, you know, if, 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 you know, for people who want to do what you do 
you know, young people, um, young girls, you know, what, what advice would you, would you have for them in terms of like, you know, how to, how to have a life in the arts and a career in the arts and, and, you know, what would you tell them? The biggest thing I would tell anybody is don't quit. Like, I think if you want a creative life, like you just have to keep at it because Anybody I've seen who hasn't given up has made something happen. It might not be exactly the way that you envision it, but you, you can do it. You just have to keep trying. Um, and, and, and to go along with that, I feel like this is a really challenging path and you're going to make a lot of mistakes because there's even, you know, I went to college and grad school for this. And there's still so much to learn. And I've been doing this for a long time and I still have so much to learn. Like as, as a production designer, especially you are expected to know so many things. Um, and so when you make a mistake, you can't, you can't, you have to do your best to move on from it because it's like, you're going to have people yelling at you. You're going to have people tell you you're terrible at this, that, you know, you're going to feel like you failed in a way that you didn't even think was possible. But if you somehow can have the confidence to keep trying, it'll be worth it. Like you, everyone has to do that. There's nobody like sometimes like an actor or director, they might have a slightly easier job if they just do one hit project or something, they can kind of coast. Mm. There's no coasting when you're below the line. Like you have to prove yourself every time. And some of those times you're going to fuck it up. And that's just part of it. Like that was the hardest thing for me is because I'm, I'm expected to do crazy things a lot of shit's going to go wrong. And like, it would have been very easy for me so many times to say, this is too hard. I've got to just give up. And somehow I didn't. And that's why, like, I feel like I'm, I've gotten to a better place with it, but you have to just like have some grace for yourself. You know, I think those are the two hardest parts. I think. Grace, that's a beautiful word. Thank you. Well yeah. said. Well said. That is that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Liz, thank you. This is such a this has been such a pleasure. Yeah, it's so nice to talk to you. I really yeah. appreciate it. <laughs>